Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers show is brought to you by betonline.ag. The NBA Finals is set. Warriors, Celtics, the NHL playoffs continues to chug along. And if you want to place a bet on any of the online sports action, betonline.ag is the place to do it. 365, 24-7, regardless on what sport it is, make sure y'all go to betonline.ag. It's very easy to get started. Use that website on your mobile device, on your laptop, desktop, computer. Use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. To receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. All right, cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers show on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen. Joined, as always, by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, number 24, Ike Taylor. IT, it's the first time I'm talking to you. Since the Steelers have promoted Omar Khan to GM, that's where we're going to begin tonight's show. How are you doing this evening, my man? Yeah, long time coming for Omar. Um, I'm doing very well to answer your question. But, Mark, uh, I kind of knew I really just couldn't say nothing that the first <laughs> was going to get Omar Khan. Um, a little birdie told me, but he told me don't say a word, so I didn't. But, yeah, man, I'm so proud of Omar Khan. I won. He's been waiting for this situation because he had a few job offers before the Pittsburgh Steelers gave him an opportunity to be a general manager. And uh, a lot of things worked out differently from other teams. So I was like, dang, oh, I wish he would have took that. But obviously he trusted his gut and his mind. And um, that was a dream job he wanted to do. And one of the things he said was he wanted to work with Coach Tomlin because, you know, the passion that Coach T brings to the game of football. So his dream came true. You know, and I think Pittsburgh got it right on getting a guy in-house in Omar Khan because he's been there close to 20-some years. Yeah, we've talked for weeks about this now, Ike, and it's no surprise, especially considering the moment the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett, to me, Ike, that was an indication of, I don't care which candidates you've interviewed, and there were more than a dozen, it's either going to be Omar Khan or Brandon Hunt. Reason being, take this outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. If you're bringing in a new GM from the outside who doesn't have a say on which quarterback is drafted, and then that quarterback is supposed to be your heir to Big Ben, the quarterback of the future for the next five to 10 to hopefully next 15 plus years, if you're going to bring in someone from outside of the organization, if Pickett does struggle, that GM can then say, well, he wasn't my guy all along. And here's what I'm talking about. I look what happened to Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. When he was quarterback of the Bears, John Fox was the head coach when the Bears drafted him with the number two overall pick in 2017. Matt Nagy didn't come in until a year later. Look at what happened has happened across the division with the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield was selected by John Dorsey, who was the general manager at the time, and when Hugh Jackson was the head coach there. So the moment that the Steelers decided Kenny Pickett is our guy at number 20 to me, that solidified the Steelers' decision for the next five to 10 years of it's going to be someone in-house, whether it's Khan or Hunt. Now, Hunt is now no longer with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but Omar Khan, the money man, transitions over and takes the reins from Kevin Colbert. Yeah, that was kind of right on the wall. Mark, you got to understand, like, once once I saw Kenny Pickett get picked, I knew they wasn't going outside of the house. They just was going to go through the interviews and, and, and do everything they needed to do just to make sure or clarify Omar was the guy they wanted. But like you said, man, once you bring somebody outside of a quarterback that you don't want, you got to love a quarterback coming out of college. So they would have got a new GM coming out of side of Pittsburgh Steelers. And Omar know the Pittsburgh Steelers wait. So they would have got a new GM coming out of Pittsburgh, man. If he didn't love Kenny Pickett, like you say, it would have been another Mitchell Trubisky kind of situation. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers don't ever want when it comes down to that. They don't want no turmoil. When it comes down to drafting, not drafting guys. So as soon as I saw they got Omar, 
I'm like, it's either Brandon Hunt or O. And they went with they went with Omar. And the reason why I think they went with O was don't forget Omar has been in charge of contract situations for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long time. So not only is he a general manager, man, he's a guy that can finagle and and, and get the contracts done and understand the cap salaries, understands what he needs to do with three or four years, whether it's upfront money or backload money. So you're getting a guy who pretty much have a lot of tools in his toolbox. Oh, it's not just the GM. He can pretty much do it all, especially when it comes to the financial part as being a Pittsburgh student. And he's been with the organization since 2001 in various roles. And so he's worked his way up. Now the Steelers also bring in Eagles VP of player personnel, Andy Weidel. They also bring in um, uh, another guy from the Detroit Lions. Let me get, let me get to the site. It's buried in my notes. Uh, Sheldon White from the Lions. So you do get some outside blood into the Steelers organization, but I'm very curious to see what Omar Khan continues with the legacy that Kevin Colbert leaves and then what he hopes to I don't know if correct is the right word, but what new spin he hopes to add to the position. I'm very, I'm curious to see how all of that plays out here in the coming weeks, months, and years ahead. Because it, again, like you said, I someone who's very familiar with the organization, given that he's been a member of the Steelers since 2001. Yeah, it's just a still the way. You know, when they go into these meetings, they. They'll look at height, size. They'll do their background checks. But they, the, the one question they do ask is, is he a Pittsburgh Steeler? And if you're not a Pittsburgh Steeler, everything gets thrown out the window. And just talking to Omar over years, because I've been cool with Omar, one, because he's a Louisiana boy, a New Orleans boy, two, because him and I just got a, a great bond and a great connection. And that's all we talk about, the Pittsburgh Steelers and how things used to be in that locker room. And I think for a time, it kind of faded out, you know, four or five years span, but now they're getting back to the Pittsburgh still the way. And I know he's just excited as I am on drafting guys who are Pittsburgh still. So time will tell, but I think, oh, will do a fantastic job, Mark. What do you think is the biggest decision he'll need to make now that he's been promoted to this new role as general manager? And trust me, gut. You know, they say your gut is your second brain. You know, you know, they say, they say your gut is your real true instinctive, uh, as a person, as a human, you should go with it. You know, our brain can get real foggy. You know, emotions come with it. Um, giving people second chances come with it. But when your gut say, nah, that's that Spider-Man sense. That's that, that's that instinctive sense of like, nah, this ain't it. Or nah, this isn't it. So if I was to tell O, and I'm not in O situation, I'm just going off of what I know, I, was all, I, I would always trust my gut instinct. See, you're talking more conceptually. I'm thinking about potentially more in the short term, something we'll discuss later in the show. Deontay Johnson in a contract season, Minka Fitzpatrick in a contract season. Who are you going to pay? What are you going to offer them? We'll get to that here in just a bit. But I, before we get to Kevin Colbert's legacy, I want to ask you, you have some experience interacting with Omar Khan in your 12 years with the Steelers. I know there's that great story where you were trying to renegotiate a contract and you went to the man himself, Dan Rooney himself, to ask for a little bit more money. I know you've told me this story before, but for any listeners and viewers that are new to our show, can you retell that story? Because I know it's a great one when you're in the middle of a contract negotiation to try to get your money. No, nah, oh, 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 at the time was, you know, in charge of the financial situations, mm-hmm. contract guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, you know, they, they came they came to O to give to my agent. And I know they talked to the coaching staff and Paul Paul Rooney at the time on this is this is the ceiling what we can give Ike. And I said, no, nah, this ain't gonna work. Cause this is the third this day, this is the third time coming to me. So we was going back and forth on negotiation. And I said, nah, this 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 I, I gotta be worth more than this. Like I know I'm worth more than this. So I went to Paul Paul. I just went to the head guy and my uncle. Uncle Herm, Uncle Herm always told me, man, whenever you can cut the middle man out and go to the head man, go straight to the head man. And that's exactly what I did. So I went in there, I shut the door. I said, Papa, come on. I said, I don't, I don't think I'm asking too much. This is what y'all are telling me I didn't do. How about y'all tell me what I have done and why we're in this situation? So I broke down everything. I wound up doing my own research, wound up breaking down everything from the 
for regular season to the playoffs to having the most snaps to never getting injured to planning up the team's number one receiver. I just broke that down to him. So as soon as I broke it down to him, he said, uh, <laughs> he started, he chuckled for a minute and he said, I get back with you in the hour. So he called me in the hour and I got a little bit more than what they offered me. I'm talking about millions more than what they offered me. And I wound up talking to O, and O was like, how the hell did you do this? <laughs> like, once he says a number, he don't change his number. He talking yeah. about Paul Paul Rooney. Like, once he changes his number, he don't change his number. I said, oh, I just went in there and talked to him like a young man. Like, I told him how I felt, and I was passionate about it. But I told him why they should give me a little bit more. And this is exactly what happened. So, O was just like, oh, yeah, you really got old man Rooney in your back pocket. <laughs> there are times I want to introduce you off the top of the show as Ike Rooney, but I don't want to disrespect the Rooney name and the relationship sure, sure. that you have with the Rooney family as well, Ike. And I know people say that jokingly, but I know that you just have a great relationship with you know Dan and the Rooney family. So I don't want to disrespect anyone there. There's times where off the top of sure. my show where it's like, here's Ike Rooney. No, no, check that Ike Taylor. But I absolutely it's crazy you said that, but that's what they used to call me though. Like, my teammates used to call me that. I even had a few teammates that left and wanted to come back, and they called me instead of the agent to come back. <laughs> I even had a few teammates that wanted a little bit more. They called me, and I called Papa, and they wound up getting the deal done. So, yeah, that's what was that. So when you say Ike Rooney, like, you're not disrespected. Like, the Rooney yeah. family understand clearly how I feel about them, so. Yeah, I get what you're saying. You're just showing a sign of respect, though, Mark. 100%. Ike, we got to keep moving on because we have a lot to get to on today's show. Kevin Colbert's legacy, he's now no longer the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When I say the name Kevin Colbert, what comes to mind? What kind of legacy does he leave in the city of Pittsburgh? Savage. Like, if you, if you want to deal with a transparent general manager, Somebody who's not going to sugarcoat nothing, going to tell you exactly how it is, leave it black and white, take all the gray area out of it, whether you want to hear it or not, that's Kevin Colbert. And by the end of the day, you got to respect from myself to Troy Palomalu to Big Ben. Kevin Colbert, in, in my personal experiences, has always been transparent. He just told you how it felt, whether he thought you had a little bit of gas in the gas tank or your gas tank was empty. And he explained why. But he wasn't sugarcoating it. He didn't put any stats behind it. He didn't put any Pro Bowls or non-Pro Bowls behind it. He said exactly how he felt. Now, Kevin Colbert got a nice little background in the show. people don't understand about Kevin Colbert was, he was a savage in hockey. You know, born and raised in Pittsburgh, family from Pittsburgh, Went to Detroit, did a little GM, came to Pittsburgh and wound up doing uh, being a general manager from Pittsburgh, winning two Super Bowls under his belt. But when you ask people who used to understand and know Kobe from when he was small, they said when it came to the hockey, he was the damn dog. So he always had that mindset and that mentality. But that's all I remember about Kevin Kobe. He let me get away with a lot of things. I don't think, other than, other than Ocho, I don't think there was too many active players that got to sit down in a draft on draft day in draft meetings, scout and general managers meetings. That's what COVID allowed me to do sometimes. So I just tip my hat to COVID's legacy. I'm sure he's about to be a Hall of Famer in a couple of years and he deserves it. He deserves it as well. But yeah, that's that's him and our relationship. He let me get away with a lot of stuff as I was playing. When you say he's a savage, Ike, and you can leave out names, you can leave out specifics, but when you're talking about player evaluation and you're in the room sometimes discussing, okay, who should we draft? Which prospects should we consider? What were some of those conversations like in that? What was it like to be in that room? When you say he's a savage, what do you mean by that? Savage, savage as in not letting. So we... Early on our show, we talked about your gut instincts. Mm -hmm. That was Kevin Colbert. So you, your presentation can be A1. From height, size, speed, to background checks, to what you think this kid can do in the first, second, or third round, or 
first, second, or third year, and it can sound real good. But if Kevin, if Kevin Best said, nah, that ain't it, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. It's it's not it. So he ain't never let nobody dictate to him. So that's why I look at him as the eyes and he's the former general manager from the Baltimore Ravens and Kevin Cobra, them two, them two boys on two different levels. That's why I think they're Hall of Famous because they do what we talked about earlier. They really do rely on trust their gut instincts. And so there's a lot that goes into that in terms of, you know, the background checks, the measurables, the statistical production, what the tape shows you, all of that. Was there was there any one circumstance that you can recall where it's like when I think back of my time with Kevin Colbert, that's what I'll remember about him? Yeah. Yeah. At, at the age of six, he told me when my son came to practice, I remember this clip. That's when Fox came out. My son came to practice at the age of six. And Ivan had some Fox on. He said, your son is safe. I said, what? <laughs> he said, man, I can, I can just, I, I see his bill. I can see where he's going. I see the way he's the way he walks. Your son is going to be a safety at the next level. And guess what my son plays right now, Mark? I, I know safety. the answer to this. West Orange High School's <laughs> very own. I... Yes, yes. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 just, it's just like, boy, some guys just have that. He have that eye. You know how it is being a, you know how a barber never went to barber school but can cut his butt off. You know how a mechanic never went to a mechanical school but he can under, he understands everything in car in a car and can tell you just by how it sounds what's wrong with it. That's Kevin Cobra. Kevin Cobra just have a knack on drafting and have an eye on players without even without even having to do no research. That's what made Kevin Cobra so special. I just hope that Kevin Colbert is not a victim of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the haters saying, oh, there's already too many Steelers in the Hall of Fame. Give credit where credit is due to Super Bowl titles. Like, show me other front office executives that have the credentials that he does. I'll sit sit here and wait. There are only a handful, like, so. Yeah, and we're talking about it on one hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kevin Colbert, him and and Ozzy in the league, they all, so. I mean, Kevin Colbert had a, a, a Hall of Fame career. That's what he's headed in my mind. And we'll see what happens with Kenny Pickett, too, which is his departing gift to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ike. Okay, we're going to keep this rolling. Deontay Johnson back at voluntary OTAs today, mm-hmm. Ike. And I was prepared to talk about him skipping out on the voluntary OTAs early on, which is okay with me, considering... I look across the division, Lamar Jackson, not at the Ravens voluntary OTAs, both players entering the final year of their rookie deals. But Deontay Johnson's going to be owed something like $3 million this upcoming season. He has outperformed his rookie contract. At the same time, for me, it's like prove it for one more year and you can go get the bag. Now, he's coming off a Pro Bowl season where in Big Ben's final year, he had 107 catches, a little bit more than 1,100 yards through the air. To me, if I'm advising Deontay, I say, do it again. Keep training with the tennis balls and develop a rapport with your new quarterbacks in both Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, depending on who the starter is. Because I know that Deontay is going to be looking at the big contracts that Devontae Adams got, Tyreek Hill got, uh, uh, A.J. Brown got. I look at Tyreek Hill's contract, and I can pull it up, Ike, and you might say on the surface, wow. Four years, $120 million. But this being the NFL, focus on the guaranteed money, which is 72.2. So if you average out 72.2 over the next four years, that's about $18 million per year for Hill. On the back end of that deal in 2026, the the Dolphins have an out. He would be owed something like $45 million with a cap hit of $50 million with Tyreek Hill's deal which is the vast majority of that specific contract. So take out 50 million from the 120. I hope that Deontay Johnson's agent is sitting him down and explaining this to him because I'm telling you this right now, Tyreek Hill with that massive contract he got, it looks awesome on paper, but it is loaded on the back end. And at the age of 32 in the final year of his deal, I can guarantee you if he's still a member of the Miami Dolphins, that contract's going to be restructured. I, I go back to something you've told me before. And when I was doing my research for this segment, it clicked for me. Slow money is better than no money. And because Correct. if he goes somewhere 
where he makes top dollar beyond this season with the Pittsburgh Steelers and that team struggles and he doesn't produce to the level that he's supposed to as a Pro Bowl receiver, guess who the first cap casualty is going to be? The floor is yours, Ike Taylor, but you taught me a lot when I did my research here. It just clicked for me with what the circumstances for Deontay <clears throat> Johnson entering the final year of his rookie deal. So, Mark, you got to understand this. Like, ain't nobody giving up four or five picks for Deontay. And that's that you got to look at that value. Like, right now at the stage of your career, like, and it's only one Tyreek Hill. You know, so, so when it comes down to Cheetah, his nickname is Cheetah for a reason. You know, when, between Travis Kelsey and Cheetah, them two having 47% of the Kansas City Chiefs offense says a lot about two people. When you want to talk about big plays at crucial moments, Super Bowl run and non-Super Bowl run, you talk about Cheetah. In the offseason, everything Cheetah does, we watch. Right now, ain't nobody watching Deontay Johnson. You can just see the value off of picks. So KC was like, no, nah, the market is huge. We got everything we can get at this point in time from Cheetah. Okay, how many picks can we get? And I think they wind up getting four picks for uh, for Cheetah. They're not doing that for Deontay Johnson. So that's what he got to understand. And we always talk about staying in your lane. Deontay Johnson and his agent, they got to stay in their lane. And yeah, slow money is always better than no money, Mark. So he got to understand if he signed with Pittsburgh, he's going to see all of his contract. They can restructure whenever they need to restructure. He's under a great organization. He he has a quarterback, either Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. He has a hell of a coaching staff, all-star coaching staff, and the city going to embrace him. That's what Deontay got to look at. The grass ain't always green on the yep. other side. You go Amen. usually when you get paid, you go to a sad organization with a sad record, and hopefully they want you to come in and be the savior, which you're not going to be because the organization is ran <laughs> like it ha- like something it shit is supposed to be. So you get that, you gonna go to a sadder, you gonna go to a sadder quarterback, you gonna go to a sadder coaching staff, you gonna go to a sadder ownership, and guess what? They recycle every year. They, they ain't doing it like the Pittsburgh Steelers or the, or the Golden State Warriors, where they they drive players, they develop them, they hold on, they don't listen to the outside world, and they stay winning championships. That's what you get. You get the consistency when you look at these good organizations. If Deontay Lee, he's going to go to a team who really wants him, in about three years, they're they going to chop his head off because they're going to have a new quarterback, <laughs> they're going to have a new coach, and somebody in the front office is going to get fired. That's what Deontay Johnson got to look at. Like one thing I want to make sure we clarify, it was five picks for Tyree Kill. So add Ooh. one more just to make sure that we get that right for the listeners and the viewers. The guy who's sitting pretty here, in my opinion, Ike, is Chase Claypool because mm-hmm. he's still under contract for two more seasons, and he's going to be sitting there to say, hey, if you want to pay Deontay and work something out for him, I'm going to get my money either way, whether it's from Pittsburgh or an outside team. And Deontay's got to be thinking if he can simply replicate what he did a year ago with Ben. Now, to develop, he's got to develop that continuity with both Pickett and Trubisky, whoever ends up right. being behind center. And I think that's right. something where it's just like, okay, can you do it again? Because, yeah, last year, the 100 catches, more than 1,000 yards, that's great. But the year before, you led the league in drops. So prove that you could do it again with a new quarterback. And I think that that's very underrated. And, and a few guys I'm going to mention where they leave Pittsburgh and they think the grass is greener. And I'm not, this is not to undermine them or throw them under the bus, but this is just the reality of the situation. Like, look what happened to Bud Dupree this last year. Signs a massive contract extension with the Tennessee Titans. I know he got hurt, but did not put up near the production that he did in the two seasons before with Pittsburgh because he's playing opposite TJ Watt and he gets one-on-ones. Look at what happened to Antonio Brown when he decides to go to the Raiders and everyone's saying, hey, good for AB, good for AB. That unraveled for various reasons, but that unraveled. Same thing with Le'Veon Bell too, Ike. The same thing happened where he goes to the Jets and everyone says, good for him for holding out and getting his and getting his money. And when the production's not there, who are the first people gone? Because again, 
It looks great on paper, but you want to see the the you want to see your contract through. And even if it's not all the money that you wanted, the slow money is better than no money because the moment that you or your team struggles, who's going to be the first one on the chopping block? And that's just the reality of the situation because it's a performance-based business. Yeah, I mean, I can go even further. You can look at Antonio Holmes, and that's my dog. He went to the Jets. Yep. Tone went to the Jets, and he went to the Jets in the prime. So Tone went to the Jets, and he was on the death for a couple of years. That's just what it is. Would have made Pittsburgh his home. Would have retired a Pittsburgh still and probably would have went to the Hall of Fame. But that's just how the business goes. Usually when you get paid, you're going to a team who really needs you, but the organization isn't really ran right. So who wants that? So, yeah, the grass ain't always greener, but one thing about Pittsburgh, this is this 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 could have hurt Deontay's, you know, he could just be like, you know what, I'm going to gamble on myself. Because when it comes down to the wide receivers, this is Pittsburgh don't give a F. That's one thing they do. They do well. They drive, they drive well at that position. So that's when he got. That's one thing he got to think about as well. Yeah, Chase Claypool, he could be sitting in the cut, but Chase got to understand too. It's the maturity level for him now. You know, they know what he can do on the field. He got to be consistent at showing what he can do on the field and the maturity on the field as well, because they just drafted Austin the third, and they got pickers coming from Georgia. So they always reload uh, Pittsburgh when it comes down to these wide receiver positions. They just let they just left Juju go. We saw what Juju was when Antonio Brown was there. Antonio Brown left. We saw what Juju was when Antonio Brown left. Juju have a have a great have a hey, thanks. Have a great career. So that's what I'm saying. When it comes down to recycling receivers, Pittsburgh do that better than any other team in the NFL. And that's not a hyperbole either, Ike. And I'll leave it at this and we'll continue to move on. Um, I would want to see if I'm Juju as well. Okay, is Kenny Pickett the truth? How is Mitch Trubisky as a quarterback? Because he might play with them this upcoming season and say, okay, maybe it is in my best interest to move on. But I was glad to see him back at voluntary OTAs. And I thought, could this potentially be a holdout situation? Because I think we're both in agreement here. If he replicates his level of production from a year ago, from uh, being a Pro Bowl receiver, at $3 million, the Steelers are getting heck of a bargain. So we'll see how all this shakes out entering the final year of his rookie deal. You've got Deontay there. You've got Minka Fitzpatrick as well. And this is where I'm going to go back to the hiring of Omar Khan. That might be one of his first big decisions to make is how you handle both of those star players. What are you willing to offer them? And at what point... Does the figure get too high to say, hey, we'll let you test the waters out in free oh, that's agency? An easy, that's an easy decision. I keep making that tag, Deontay. I'm going to ta- tag you, Deontay. There you go. See if you can produce a whole nother year on what you did last year. If you can't, well, you know, you got Georgia also sitting in the cut because you was also sitting in the cut a couple of years ago as well. This, this is just what we do, Deontay. No hard feelings. This is business. Now, when it comes to Mink, I got it. Mink is my first priority. He's proven, and he's been proven consistently making plays, not worrying about him off the field, coming up big, and he's just a professional professional. Like, that's just making Fitzpatrick. So that's all Deontay got to do, man. He just got to be consistent. If I'm him, I'm going to bet on myself. I got to understand Pittsburgh. If I don't get this deal done this year, they're going to want to tag me next year if I'm very productive. If I'm not as productive as I was last year, they're going to go ahead and let me slide or give me a tender, a first or second round tender, which would probably be like three or four million. And they're going to let Chase, Pickens, and Austin the third handle their business in years to come. So that's just what it's going to be. So it's just the consistency part the Pittsburgh Steelers are looking at for Deontay Johnson. Let me take this a step further as well, Ike, because Minka Fitzpatrick's in a contract season along with Terrell Edmonds. So you don't want to lose potentially both of your starting safeties going into they, next they, they'll season. Let, they'll let Terrell. They'll let Terrell that's that's fine. That's fine, Ike. That's fine. But to say if we if they don't re-sign Minka, to say hey, we've got to replace both safeties. That's the only point I'm trying to make. But no, I, they, they keep it. They keep it. They they already said they'll make Minka the highest paid. They they will make Minka the highest paid safety. All right, Ike. I, listen, this we're recording this May 31st, 2022, and when this mm-hmm. happens, we're resurfacing the clip. You heard it here on the Believe in Steelers show. 100%. Psychic Ike Taylor out on the pod again. All right. Top tight ends in the AFC North, Ike. 
We're going to go through four for each position group. So we got tight ends, offensive line, and defensive line. I will start Mark Andrews out of Baltimore. Listen, like he's the first off the board, and I don't even know who fills out the rest of the bracket for number two, but Mark Andrews is the clear-cut favorite here, and he's a favorite target of Lamar Jackson. I mean, his favorite target, when you go into a defensive meeting room on Wednesday when we're doing game planning for a new opponent, the first thing you think about Lamar Jackson and after Lamar Jackson, who else? Mark Andrews. So you're looking for number 89 on the field, but number 89, Mark Andrews got 100 yards and 10 receptions. You're like, how the hell did he do that? Well, he was just running down the seam all day while Lamar Jackson was scrambling, and he found himself wide open. He's been doing that consistently. So, yeah, Mark Andrews is right now the number one tight end in the AFC North. Now, he's working away to be like a top five tight end in the league as well, but you got to know what 89 at. At number two, which I knew you was going to ask me about number two, but he just got paid himself, but he lives in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, David okay. All right. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to go with David Njoku. The reason why I like David Njoku, I like him coming out of Miami. I always thought he was athletic. I always thought he had the goods. It was just him being injury prone. So now I think he finally gets how to be a professional and he can use some of his athleticism. That's why you had to pay the man what you paid him. Cleveland did exactly what they needed to do. So now he's comfortable. He's relaxed. He got the bag. He got his money. So now he's going to show out exactly what he did in Miami. Okay. You got Njoku at two. I did see he got the bag. And I'll say this too. People this week on Twitter don't understand how contracts work and they say oh well the titans just signed austin hooper for six million dollars on a one-year deal and najoku is going to make an average of 14 million dollars look at what the contract of cooper was before the browns decided to cut him so to compare those two salaries is apples and oranges and honestly very unfair to both players and najoku for the Browns last season, they had a down season. He was a consistent target, and he's a matchup nightmare. And I think once Deshaun Watson lines up behind center, and you've got Amari Cooper, you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who's the next guy who's going to who's the next guy who's going to get the ball and going to get targeted? David Njoku for the mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns. I'm going to take Pat Fryermuth at number three, then Ike, because I had him ahead of Njoku, a combat catcher. Can he build off an impressive rookie season? And I see him get more involved in the blocking for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the run game as well to serve almost as an extension of that offensive line. But in one-on-one scenarios, when the Steelers needed it, and part of the reason was because Juju Smith-Schuster was hurt last season, Pat Fryermuth as a rookie was the guy that the Steelers went to in one-on-one scenarios, and I hope that he can build upon that this upcoming season. No, I agree with you 100%. Um, it, really, it's one, two, three. Yeah. You know, I don't really think Cincinnati really has a tight end like that. I think they tight end is used in the slot position. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, and this is no dis- disrespect to Cincinnati. So they go, they go, they go a lot of three receivers. You know, in Cincinnati, so. We're talking about teams who go, you know, two two wide and a tight end. And that's between the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and, of course, uh, Lamar Jackson and company. And actually, Lamar Jackson and company, they run three three tight ends sometimes, sometimes two tight ends. So, yeah, it just depends on who it is. But honestly, you can go you can go two tight ends coming from the Baltimore Ravens because that's just a front not only to protect uh, Lamar Jackson but also – you know, make the throws easier for him, and that's running down the seam. And guys who run down the seam a lot who can take the hits are tight ends. Yes, and Hayden Hurst coming over from Atlanta to Cincinnati this upcoming season. Curious to see how Joe Burrow utilizes Hurst and then how he fits into the offense. That's absolutely mm-hmm. loaded with the receiver mm-hmm. group of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and, oh, Joe Mixon in the backfield and an upgraded offensive line. Lyle Collins, the offensive tackle, Alex Kappa, the guard coming over from Tampa Bay, Collins coming over from the Dallas Cowboys. So what was a very good Bengals offense a year ago should be even better. And you keep Joe Burrow upright. You keep him clean. We'll see how Hayden Hurst fits into that mix in Cincinnati. Okay, let's go to Mm -hmm. offensive line. And I, I call them the big uglies. You call them the big sexies. I would let you, I would let you take the first pick for, you could have any lineman on offensive line. In the AFC so I'm going to go as a group. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it as a group. I oh, think the you're Browns, cheating here, Ike. No, no, I think the Cleveland Browns have the best offensive line. 
I agree. So, so I can't, I can't, I can't say offensive linemen. When I say offensive linemen, they like to, they like to. So when we, when we, when we tag off of our Instagram or social media or Twitter, when we say Cleveland at Cleveland Browns, and we say offensive linemen, we gonna get all five offensive linemen. When we just name one person, we just gonna get that one person, and them big sexes gonna be mad as hell at us, Mark. So I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking not only our show, but I'm thinking social media as well. So that's what I'm saying. I got the Cleveland Browns offensive line because you got two running backs potentially that can rush for a thousand yards, and Chubbs and Hunt, if they both stay healthy, they both can hit a thousand. They almost did it last year. You have you have a quarterback now in Deshaun Watson. He can rush for 500 yards. He can throw for 3,500 yards. And all this is off the late season Cleveland Browns offense line. So when it comes November, December, January, it's a team that you got to be scared of because them big sexes turn into big ugliness, as you would call it. And that's the Cleveland Browns offensive line. So I think they did it well. They built from the ground up, and we talk about that's how you build your house. Instead of from the roof down, you go from the ground up. And that's exactly what the uh, Cleveland Browns did with their entire offensive line. All right. I will focus on the right side of the Browns offensive line first. And let's name names, Ike. Jack Conklin, the right tackle. When the Browns signed him over from the Tennessee Titans, Conklin had paved the way to make King Henry the NFL's leading rusher. And now he's helped the Browns established their running identity with Chubb and Hunt in the backfield. Jack Conklin, one of the best tackles in all of football. He's at the right tackle position. Directly left of Jack Conklin is a guy by the name of Wyatt Teller, who I absolutely love. Absolutely nasty, mean, vicious, and dominant at the line of scrimmage. I, you're you're right. smiling right now. I like it. I like it. You was animated about it. Yeah, it's listen, it's beautiful to watch. I hate to admit it, but it's true. And then Jadrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama at the left tackle position for the Browns too. 23 years old, still in his rookie deal. He's got to prove that he's worth that huge contract. Still two years left on his rookie deal. Mm-hmm. I would imagine the Browns would pick up his fifth-year option too, considering that he was a first-round pick. I'm going to go over to Baltimore as well. Two other players I want to make mention of. Ronnie Stanley. First team all pro in 2019. He got hurt, got hurt. this last season. Mm-hmm. He's going to be back right. with the vengeance. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards in that backfield, Lamar Jackson in a contract season. I think the mm-hmm. Ravens are going to reestablish the running game. And then a veteran I want to make mention of too, Kevin Zeitlou, who he used to play for the Browns, now plays for the Cleveland, or excuse me, plays for the Baltimore Ravens, 32 right. years old. He has started 151 games in his NFL career, Ike. So a seasoned right. veteran on that line and you talk about the importance of running the football look at the team stats look at the team rankings both baltimore and cleveland are up there year in and year out and i think that's part of the reason why the steelers ranked dead last in rushing yards allowed a season ago so you got to go up against cleveland and baltimore two times each each season well i'm not gonna say that i think i think for the most part ben wasn't Ben anymore so you gotta look at the baltimore ravens you got to look at the Baltimore Ravens and why the offensive line might be so good because you have a quarterback who's a slash running back in Lamar Jackson. So he can make he can make things look better than what it really is. He can mask it. So at number two, I had the Cincinnati Bengals because one, I like what they did in draft. Two, I think you and I will both agree what they did in the free agency. They went and got some offensive linemen in the, in the free agency. And the offensive linemen don't have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. And Joe Burrow, coming from uh, Cleveland, their offensive line in, in Baltimore Ravens don't have a, a quarterback as good as Lamar Jackson when it comes down to running. So guys who can really mask it. What did Joe Burrow do with an with a okay offensive line? He went to the Super Bowl. That's exactly what he did. What did Cincinnati do in the offseason in the draft? <laughs> they said, hold on, 71 times in 17 games. And we 51, still made it to the 51, Super Bowl. but yes. I'm talking about total, 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 including the playoffs, including the playoffs. Now, okay, you're talking my turkey. Got you. I got you. Yeah, right. so um, I'm Cincinnati, like, we, for for this franchise kid, this special kid that we have, he cannot lead the league in sacks, getting sacked. So what we what do we need to address? We got to address our offensive line. 
So when I'm saying offensive line, I'm looking at, okay, who's the quarterback? Can a quarterback help a good offensive line? I mean, an okay offensive line? Yes. You have skills like a Baker Mayfield, or you have running backs like Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubbs, or you have a quarterback like uh, me, I have a running back like a Dobbs, or you have a quarterback like a Lamar Jackson. Man, you can mask a lot on the problems up front because them guys going to find a way anyway. You can't mask <laughs> Joe Burrow. He, he He's not Deshaun Watson. When it comes to athleticism, he's not Lamar Jackson, a former offensive league MVP. So that's what I say. So that's why I have, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns at number one. And then after that, I have the Cincinnati Bengals on what they did in the offseason. People are going to be mad at me. I really don't care. No, I got the no. Pittsburgh Steelers. L- listen, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. I no. got them sitting dead last as an as, as offensive line crew. I just got a, I just got them sitting last because and I got, you know, of course, the Baltimore Ravens sitting at number three. But um, Pittsburgh, in, in, in my mind, they have a lot to work on when it comes to the offensive line. Maybe with Mitch Trubisky and, 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 and Kenny Pickett, they athleticism, it might help the offensive line. It might mask a few things. But we're just talking about what you said earlier in the show. Pittsburgh was dead last or close to the bottom when it came down to rushing mark. Regardless of what kind of division you're in, that's not good regardless when it comes down to trying to control the game. Now, Najee had a heck of a game. I think it was the last home game that sent Big Ben off into a win, and he was like, man, I had to do this for my quarterback. Najee went off on that game. But at the same time, now right now, if I want to talk about an offensive line crew as a whole, I got Pittsburgh four, I got the Baltimore Ravens number three, I got the Cincinnati Bengals at number two, and I got the Cleveland Browns at number one. Yeah, in terms of the Steelers' offensive rushing total, they were 29th in the NFL in 2021. So it was better than when they were dead last in 2020. But this is all the result, Ike. Last year, you're starting two rookies, Dan Moore Jr., Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson, a second-year player. So it was a very young offensive line. An offensive line I do expect to be better now that they have more experience and more mobile quarterbacks. Talking about Burrow, what the Bengals did to protect Burrow is what the Chiefs did to protect Patrick Mahomes. Correct. To make Correct. sure that you're you're keeping your investment, whatever Joe Burrow ends up getting for protect. a contract. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yep. I agree with you. All right. We did O-line. We got to knock out D-line. And I are you going what? by position group again? Are you going by position groups? You're going to individual for D-line because I've got I'm going, individual. I'm going by- Go, go. So you can go individual. I'm going by position. <laughs> All right. To me, it, it starts with TJ Watt. You tie this, the leagues in NFL history, single season sack record. You miss two games. You play 50% or fewer of the defensive snaps in three games in which you play. You know, had he played in all 17 games, you talk about not just mm-hmm. tying Michael Strahan's record, talk about potentially mm-hmm. shattering it. And oh, by the way, it's not just the sacks. He's not just a pass rusher. Leading the league in tackles for a loss, both in 2020 and 2021, an all-around mm-hmm. player, a matchup nightmare, and an absolute nightmare for opposing right tackles. T.J. Watts, who I had at number one, I had Miles Garrett behind him, but just given what mm-hmm. we've seen from T.J. Watt the last two seasons, you'd be an idiot to choose otherwise. No, nah, you'll be a fool not to choose T.J. Watt. You know, as one of the best defensive linemen in the league, you know, let alone uh, defensive league MVP. So I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I had a Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line. Even though the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line struggled when it came down to the rushing, when you want to talk about just leading the league in sacks and getting big plays when needed to help the offense, nobody did it better in the AFC North than the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that, that was the leading captain right there, T.J. Watt, who you just named. Okay, and – before so Miles Garrett was I had ranked at two, but let's go to Cameron Hayward. Okay. 33 years old now, but he's somehow gotten better every single season. And I can't help Technician. but wonder. I can't help but wonder where it's like, how much longer can we say that? But he's been so good. And it's like he's every- the Tom Brady of he's the Tom Brady of defense lineman. Like he's he's he he's not as we're never we we're never talking about Tom Brady and him rushing for 300 yards a season or his athleticism. Tom Brady is a technician. He's very good. His feet game is sweet in the pocket. The same thing with Cam. 
Cam is a technician. And the, the fact that you said he's 33 years old says a lot because he's been playing at a high level for a long time as well. He's not going to wire you on athleticism. He's going to wire you on his technique, his IQ, and his hustle. And that hustle on full display, Ike, playing the Chargers, running down mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. Go back and watch that clip and show me another defensive lineman who runs 40 yards down the field. And I'm yeah. not talking about the combine or a pro day. I'm talking in an actual game. Real live. Visual yeah. proof. Real live. That's that's Cam. But Cam been like that, though. Cam always been like that. So that's just in him. Now he got his brother on board, Connor. So I'm sure he gonna want show he gonna want to do better than his brother. That's just the nature of the game. Y'all always that competitive. I can only imagine what his mom and his dad was going through in the house with them kids. So he's always been that competitive. So it, that's just gonna spark another fire under him as well. So I can see Cam playing until he's 36 years old if he wants to. I've got a few other names. I mentioned Miles Garrett, an absolute freak for the Browns, and mm-hmm. it's a scary combo both Garrett and Clowney for another season. They're very good. Clayus Campbell for the Ravens has been doing it a long time, mm-hmm. 35 years old. A long time as well. Six, yep. eight, 300 pounds. A few other guys I want to mention, Sam Hubbard, B.J. Hill. Larry Ogunjobi, still a free agent because his medicals. I know he's going to sign with the Bears, but a few other D mm-hmm. linemen I want to show some love to, Ike. But So you got the Steelers at number one. What's the rest of your order in the AFC North, Ike? You know, two, because they just signed David Clowney back. I'm going to go over to Cleveland Browns. You know, the Cleveland Browns got a nice little one-two punch going on as well. So they've been stacking their defense in these past couple of drafts, but they've been working that thing from the back end. So they've been getting some good safety, some good cornerbacks to cover these cover these wide receivers and these tight ends. And honestly, they've just been letting their D-line kind of eat. And we saw what Miles Garrett did. Miles Garrett, you know, cut up last year, cut up in a good way. Like, he handled his business. He was an all-pro last year, even though he kept getting fined. Every time he wore a short sleeve because they say he was mutated. <laughs> so that's exactly who I'm gonna go with, man. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Cleveland Browns as my number two defensive line as a whole in the AFC North. Ike, you just motivated me to wear a sleeveless the next time we record here on the <laughs> Believe in Steelers show. Go for it, Mark. Show off the guns. Hey man, it's the summertime. Sun's out, guns out. Right. It is time for my favorite part of the show, and we teased it last week. We get to talk about Ike Taylor's Batman actor power rankings. We talked a little bit about this, but we got to give the people what they want, Ike. I at least want to know who your favorite actor who's played Batman is, but we got to give the people what they want. Heath Ledger, bro. He, 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 he's, he's the reason hang on, why. Hang on, hang on. Heath Ledger is the Joker. Wait a second. No, 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 no. But when you say, when you say Batman, to me, is Joker. I'm going to tell you how serious this is, Mark. Mark, I got a Joker tattooed on my leg. I got Gotham City tattooed on my leg. Yes, I love Batman. Born into money, save the world. I get all that. But I feel like I got a little dark side to me as well. So I got to go with the Joker. No superpowers, no cape. He's just a guy where he's super crazy. <laughs> That's all he is. So I look at Batman as me finding the Joker in my head. So no, I want you to come up with your Batman ratings because right. I'm a Joker here. All right, I'll give them to you really quickly. Christian Bale, I've got number one, and the Nolan trilogy is my all-time favorite. Ike, because okay. Okay. Dark Knight, the Chicago in me, Dark, yeah. Wayne. Wayne Towers, the Chicago Board of Trade. I used to walk down LaSalle Street every single day for back-to-back summers when I was working in the city. I In the chase scene, Lower Wacker, like the Chicago to me knows this. And I know the sequel to that, Dark Knight Rises, shot in Pittsburgh. So you've got the, the that's, two that's cities I Cole love. Thomas. Cole Thomas. Cole Thomas, one of the producers from Legendary Pictures, who's a minority owner for the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. That's a little info for y'all. So you got the two cities I love, Chicago and Pittsburgh, featured in both of those movies. So Christian Bale's my number one. Michael Keaton, number two. Adam West, number three. I've got George Clooney at number four. And let me say this about George Clooney. He just had a terrible script, a questionable yeah, cast. He did. And it's almost he like did. a quarterback 
who doesn't have a good surround system around him, but it is very talented. Almost like Matthew he's Stafford. A hall of, with, yeah, he's George a hall of great. famer when it comes yeah. to the Ocean Elevens. There's yeah. nobody with the looks, with the savviness, with the swag. When it comes to Ocean Eleven, don't nobody do it better than George Clooney. Yeah, so George Clooney can narrate my documentary whenever that's produced. Oh, when I, if we're talking about Joker too, Jack Nicholson as well. We got to show some He's love to the OG. Yeah, yeah. So, Ike, those are our Batman power rankings, giving the people what they want. IT, you're the absolute best. I want to thank you, the Believe Network, our producers over at Brinks TV, led by John Brinkus, Courtney Vargas, Herbert Diaz, Lucy Odin, and the entire crew. Today's sponsor of the Believe in Steelers show, betonline.ag. And I want to thank you, the listeners and the viewers of the Believe in Steelers show. Thank you for tuning in and making us a part of your day. Man, make sure y'all give us, make sure y'all subscribe and give us that five-star rate mark. I appreciate you, man. You're my dog. For life, that's just what we're going to do. Hey, shout out to betonline.ag. Miss Courtney and Brinks TV sitting over there for making us look so professional. Um, Believe Network for just giving us the opportunity. All the viewers, listeners, and followers, man, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Frank Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for watching the Believe in Steelers show. We will see you next week. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 